Welcome to episode 70 of the Pay to Play podcast. I'm James Ajakowski. Uh, with me here, co-host Frank Geib, and we are talking baseball and basketball today. Lots of other stuff going on in the world. Uh, we'll talk a little markets too, uh, but mostly the MLB playoffs kicking off this week with the revised wildcard series, best of three. It's been electric so far. Uh, a lot of good pitching. Uh, so we'll see more bat flips coming in this playoffs, but uh, still, I, I think pitching has dominated early and often. And then as far as basketball goes, Frank, we will be talking the NBA Finals. Heat, Lakers, uh, LeBron seeking uh, to add to his legacy, and the Miami Heat looking to win one without his name attached to it. Uh, so that'll be a fun series. We're recording this on September 30th. Uh, it's a Wednesday. Uh, we're going to drop this episode before the finals game once. So if you're listening before uh, the game, good for you. Uh, you're, you're a diehard. And we, we appreciate you. Um, as for markets, Frank, we'll get into that too, but I want to go right into a fun fact, Frank. Um, today, September 30th, you know, why it's, you know why it's important? This day in history, uh, Monumental Day. Uh, actually, back in 1954, the Excel USS Nautilus, uh, the world's first nuclear submarine, was commissioned. And what does that mean? You know, I didn't know when I first read it, but guess what? It, it is essentially the first nuclear submarine um, that was able to run on almost unlimited periods because of its atomic engine. Needed no air and only a very small quantity of nuclear fuel to run. So what it, what it means is by commissioning is it basically was given the go-ahead uh, and then it ran for the first time a couple months later. So kind of an unofficial birthday of sorts. Uh, so I, I, I don't know. Submarines intrigue the hell out of me. That's the only reason I thought it was fun. You'll like this. The, so I'm in the OSU MBA program, and uh, one of my like teammates, we have like small teams of five people. He literally like was in the Navy for the past five years working on nuclear submarine. Wow. <laughs> so if you want to talk to him about this, I'll, I'll let you meet him. His name is almost Patrick Starr, which is, I don't want to give away his name, but like very similar to the SpongeBob character. Well, Patrick, if you're listening, uh, we're glad to have <laughs> you on as one of Frank's classmates. But Frank, you said also it's the unofficial birthday of Excel too. Yeah, Excel, the uh, you know the, the word the what do you want to call it? Basically, database spreadsheet software that yeah. everyone everyone's business basically you know runs on in some way, shape, or form. Um, James, you said you were working on Excel right before this. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I live in that thing. It, it is the goat in terms of computer software. You know, a lot of things get attached to it, run through it, uh, and there's certainly limitations towards it but gosh darn it uh i think that's it's the uh it served ooh. microsoft well as a company I'll tell yeah you and yourself as a, a very competitive advantage product when everyone in every business uses it as, as a stockholder i think you're obligated to say that too but um yeah so with regards to that ship the submarine um it is now retired outside of connecticut i think the uh it's groton connecticut is where it is basically a museum now yeah so yeah, we're gonna go check it out for sure. Yeah, at some point, Muzz will go check <laughs> check that out. Uh, but there's literally Dwight D. Eisenhower's wife that broke a bottle of champagne to celebrate its launch into the Thames River to get started. Okay, enough talking about submarines because we are gonna switch into sports. Uh, but we'll start on on the submarine basis. We've already seen a couple pitchers, Adam Simber and Darren O'Day, submarine style pitchers coming in with the low release point. Simber, not a good sign to be seeing early if you're an Indians fan. Darren O'Day, no. on the other hand, a lights-out submarine pitcher for the Atlanta Braves uh, as they walked off against the Reds in 13 innings earlier today. Uh, so, Frank, on the landscape of sports, 
we're going to gloss over uh, the NHL. The Stanley Cup was awarded to Tampa Bay. Uh, football is still carrying on. We see our first scare of congrats, congrats to Tampa. That's awesome. Yeah. They, hey, Dick Vitale was pumped. Let me tell you, he, he tweeted the video <laughs> in his lightning jersey and all. Um, and so we're going to gloss over that. We'll gloss over football. There's more to come on future episodes with that. But on the baseball spectrum, we're just going to talk about the playoffs a little bit here as we've already seen a couple teams eliminated. The uh, Minnesota Twins being one of them. They did not have a submarine pitcher. I don't think it would have mattered because they scored a whopping two runs in two games. Uh, and they extended their streak to 19 consecutive losses in the MLB postseason. A record not only in baseball, but the longest playoff skid in any North American major sport. So Eight, 18 games, I think, right? No, no, 19, 19 today. It was 18 coming into today, and today made it 19. They've already lost today. I think it's eight. I think it's eighteen. I thought it was sixteen coming into this playoffs, and they lost two in a row. Hey, I'm speaking what I read and adding one to it, Frank. Because that this, no, I, I added. I know. I'm sorry, but I added one to it. Oh my I, goodness! Wow, you threw me for a loop. Yeah, I changed the document, guys. It is eighteen consecutive losses for the Twins. Still the biggest record in major sports U.S. history. Yeah, I mean, uh, like, I would hate to be a fan. I would just. I would really hate to be a fan of the Minnesota Twins. If you lose 18 straight, it's like the Cincinnati Bengals. That, of, yeah. Of, I mean, just... You could argue worse. You could argue worse. Worse. I think the Bengals have lost, what, six playoff games? What was Marvin Lewis's record in the playoffs? Not important. Not worth my time okay. to think about. Not important. Just keep going. Keep talking. I'm going to look it up, though. All right. Go for it. Uh, I think the biggest storyline is the L.A. Dodgers being the, you know, definitely the favorites coming into this year. Uh, they are 43 and 17 in the regular season, matched up with the lowly Brewers, who made it as the eighth seed in the NL, despite not having a winning record uh, at any single point during the regular season. Um, which also, on that note, who knocked out the Minnesota Twins? The Houston Astros were tw- were 29 and 31 in the regular season. They come out and uh, sweep a team that you was used to mashing the ball. So. I mean, screw the Astros, but at the same time, I guess tip the cap to them. They came in and took care of business in this revised playoff format. Uh, the Dodgers, on the other hand, you know, been to the World Series a couple of times the last few years, haven't won it. They haven't won a World Series since 1988. It's almost like the uh, Notre Dame of the MLB, uh, you know, uh, this historic program, uh, you know, always in contention, but haven't, haven't really won anything recently to talk about. Uh, so, I don't. I think the Dodgers have a likable team. They they got a good they got a good core. Uh, what did you just uncover? You seem really shocked right now. I mean, Notre Dame football is looking pretty good. Ian Book's got the guys rolling. Yeah, right. That, like like <laughs> most years, exactly. That's exactly what everyone has said about Clayton Kershaw these last few years too. And then uh, you know the playoffs. Yeah, hit, I agree. They, I agree. So no, I I I think that's not meant to be a, a slight on them. Um, but, you know, the Dodgers are a, a powerhouse of sorts. So a couple other teams to highlight. Um, the Oakland Athletics um, basically had, had a streak of 13, or sorry, 12 losses in their last 13 postseason series. So they have not had much postseason success themselves. It looks like they're going to be forcing a game three against the White Sox. Um, and, you know, and our own beloved Indians uh, got got their, uh, you know, you know what handed to them Uh in game one, Garrett Cole came out and looked dominant and played the role that he had to. Uh, Shane Bieber, just uh, I don't know what else we can say about it. It was painful. Uh, it 
sucks when a guy doesn't have his stuff and the you know the manager trusts him to get out of it and that didn't happen so life goes on you have a yeah. short memory yeah it's i mean it's tough and everyone that's listening will know how game two went most likely so um hopefully cookie gets it done for us and we're we're all getting excited about game three um but yeah it's it's this this format is crazy because it's like so it's so like there's more teams which i like but it, it can end so quick that it can i was going to say with regards to the pitching that we talked about too cole was dominant with 13 strikeouts in game one uh trevor bauer in his first postseason start with the reds struck struck out 12 so he was on uh on it but like i said the braves came away and knocked them out in 13 innings uh so I think it's created some drama early and often. It's great for sports fans that want eight baseball games in a day like we've had today. Um, so there, there's a lot going on I'm in the MLB. Gonna, I wanna, yeah, I want to throw you on the spot. So let's say the Dodgers don't make it out, out of the NL. Who do, you, how do you, who do you like out of the NL otherwise? Wow, because it's very interesting to say that because I would have definitely been on the Padres train given how well their offenses perform. But no Mike Clevenger or Denilson Lamette. Uh, two guys that and should be. Able to... And you can see the start of this game at least. Yeah, the, yeah, they're down a little bit too. I, <laughs> I think they have. I still think they have the bats that they could get it done. Um, you know, the Marlins beaten up on the Cubs today too. I think you know. Let's say the Dodgers get beat up by the Brewers. Boy, is that going to be a a shit show of of uh, for lack of a better term? Um, to be honest with you, I, I think that opens the door for a team like the Atlanta Braves. I I really think that the way their bats their whole lineup constructed wasn't apparent in what Bauer did to them uh, by mowing them down. But I, there's so much firepower in that lineup and they have a strong back end of the bullpen. I would take the Braves. Uh, they don't have a great, Let's go. they don't have great depth in their pitching rotation, but the way Max Freed's pitching, you get him to pitch one out of every, you know, three or four games. You're going to let his arm carry you as far as it can. They got a couple other guys, Ian Anderson's young. Uh, great bullpen. Like yeah, exactly. Great bullpen. Darren O'Day, a good submarine guy. I already mentioned his name. <laughs> Will Smith and uh, Mark Melanson are also not too shabby. Do you um, ever face the submarine pitcher like in high school or in no, college? No, never did. I wish I did. In fact, I Didn't tried you try to learn sidearm. I I learned it because we were like a, short like a dead. coach was like Frank or James. You're pretty good at this. Not not that I was pretty good at it. It was like James. You know, if games were getting out of hand. We might need somebody to eat up innings. And I'm like. Well, I can throw about a whopping 70 miles an hour overhand. So what if I take five miles an hour and off and, you know, switch it up, give people a different look. And I actually was okay, but I never, I, I was good in practice. I, I, he never trusted me enough to put me in a game. Oh, I was about to say, usually, no, I got sent to the bullpen to warm up once for it, but we got run ruled before, uh, before my time was called. So yeah, I will say submarine pitching, it is not for the faint of heart. You have to be a special individual to do it. In fact, Adam Simber, maybe it might not be his calling either. We're not sure. He's he's kind of lost his touch a little bit uh, as he got beat up last night and has throughout the season. Uh, obviously, he's a good pitcher, or has been in the past, but he seems to have lost it because he does not have the giddy-up or quite the, the movement. He's prone to leaving some hangers. It is a tough skill to learn, I'll tell you. Um, I, I don't know. Do, did I have anything else on, on the baseball spectrum, Frank? I, I do like the Rays in the AL. They, they have come out and they are asserting themselves. They're going to take down Toronto without much of a problem. Um, anyone that really has stuck out to you thus far? I mean, the Yankees looked good against us, I thought, in game one, to be honest. <laughs> uh, they're, they're a big favorite, and they, uh, 
you know, we were the favorite in game one, but they're a big favorite now with the one lead to uh, win the World Series, actually. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, um, I, I really don't know what to predict. You're, you're more of the baseball guy than I am. So I'm just excited to watch and, and bet no run first inning all the time. That is a fun bet. We have, It's very hard to predict the no run first inning, but uh, you can talk to us about it if you want. We have been tracking it all playoffs <laughs> long so far. Uh, there was a lot of no-run action yesterday, three of four in the first day of the playoffs. Um, and so it seems as though pitchers are bringing their, bringing their lunch pail to work, and they are absolutely you know, locked in from the get-go. But a couple teams have snuck runs in here, and, and it, it throws you off, and there's plus value on those bets. So always fun to watch. Uh, that's enough baseball talk, though, Frank. We're whipping this episode out quick so that we can get it out to the people uh, before Game one of the NBA Finals, and that is exactly what we're going to talk about right now. The Miami Heat taking down the Boston Celtics in six games. The Lakers a, a little bit better rested, having taken down the Nuggets in five. Uh, they had two meetings during the regular season. The Lakers uh, kind of ran the floor on them in game one, where they won by 15, uh, and then won by three in the follow-up matchup. A couple players were kind of missing in that one. Uh, within both of those games, and they've made adjustments since then. Markeith Morris coming to the Lakers. Uh, Drogic uh, was out in that second matchup, and Jay Crowder and Andre Iguodala have been added. So there's That's a, nine months ago. Yeah, it, it's been a while. It has <laughs> been a while. And LeBron came out and said there's no extra meaning to this series for him going against Miami, You know, his former team where he won yeah, two I mean, titles. It's a surprising finals matchup. Uh, like, and it's a, it's even more surprising how easily it was almost for both teams to get there. They both are twelve and three right now in the playoffs. Um, the Heat went four one, four one, four one in their three series, and or not the Heat, the Lakers did, and then the Heat swept who uh, the Pacers beat the Bucks handily, who were a huge favorite. Um, Giannis got injured towards the end of that series, but they weren't. They didn't look like they were going to win the series anyway. And uh, then they took down the Celtics, which was another great, great victory. So, I mean, the Heat are for real. Um, coming into the season, plus 25,000 to win the titles, Edge. 25,000? So 25,000 was their title odds at the beginning of the season. Um, they've been an underdog in seven of their last eight victories. So, um, it's it, they're going to be an underdog all series, too. They're, they're four and a half, five-point dogs in game one. Yeah, I think we do need to shout out uh, Abe Momed back episode 61. I think back in June, before the bubble started, this is back when the ideas were coming out towards it. Yep. Uh, he did call. He said the Lakers are the team he's riding. He thinks he thought the Heat would come out of the East and give him a series, but he doesn't see anyone stopping Braun. So we'll have to follow up with him, get a little clip, see, see how long he thinks this series is going. Yeah, I mean, what a, what a prediction. Um, calling you, the Heat. You, you literally, seed. you literally said to them like, "Hey, that, that'd be a fun little, you know, random pick." Uh, it wasn't yeah. random at all. They came out and asserted themselves, like he said, uh, not wasting any time. They have not faced a game seven yet. Um, and that Boston team, I think, probably had more depth than Miami. But I'll tell you what, the guy that stands out to me, Bam Adebayo, Adebayo Jesus, uh, you know, he, I, you think a guy performing at the level he is, I could say his name right on the first time, uh, but even <laughs> even I, a guy that. You know, is prone to a couple name uh, oh, slip ups. Hey, it happens. But bam, I'll tell you what: the way he plays is so dynamic. You you okay over there, Frank? No, you know? Yeah, just the just the phone fell out of my pocket. Sorry. Okay, yeah, probably getting overloaded with messages. I get it. Yeah. No. Well, um, we've got a couple. Bam, of bio's great. What are we, What are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Threw you off a little bit. 
Uh, no, the way he is able to kind of create his own shots, not something I knew in the, that he had in the tank. Uh, and meanwhile, you look at the way the Heat play, I, I think it contrasts with the, the Lakers a little bit. So we're going to throw some stats at you, um, namely the fact that um, the Lakers are a transition team and the Heat struggle to stop defending in transition. Um, so the Lakers lead the postseason with uh, 23 transition points a game, basically 18% of their possessions uh, come in transition. Like they don't like wasting time uh, and they, they are willing to take shots. 19% of them, in fact, uh, within the first six seconds of the shot clock. So they're all about kicking once, getting an open look and knocking down. I think they hit 42% of their open threes in the last series. Uh, that's, you know, a good clip if you're knocking down 42% of the open ones. Um, but also worth noting there is that the Heat have allowed 1.17 points per possession in transition. So that is the third highest rate of any team in the playoffs. So that that's, I think, edge Lakers first and foremost, Frank. The way that they operate running the floor, can throw the ball um, down the court. Anthony Davis is a big that's not afraid to run, and he's not afraid to throw those long court passes. I think that leaves the Heat at a little bit of a disadvantage, uh, at least on paper, going into this series. Yeah, I mean, on paper, the Heat are at a disadvantage. I think Vegas has the Lakers at minus 300, and it's because they have the two best players. I mean, LeBron James has proven throughout the playoffs that he's, you know, he's the guy that the team runs through, but he's not the guy they score through. Anthony Davis has been averaging 28 and a half a game all playoffs long, and I think he'll average 30 in the finals. Um, Bam Adebayo can defend him. It'll be a great matchup, I think, but I think Davis is better there, and then I think LeBron's better than Butler, so... I like the Lakers' um, power, too, but that's the thing is the Heat really have those role guys that, that might be better than the Lakers' role players. It depends how Rajon Rondo shows up. It depends if you know Dwight Howard comes to play. He played great in the last series. Uh, does Kyle Kuzma show up off the bench for the Lakers? Whereas the Heat, Tyler Hero has been dominant. He's been unbelievable as a rookie. Um, Duncan Robinson's been great. Goran Dragic has been an unbelievable veteran presence for them. Um, playing great basketball, Jay Crowder even uh, Jay Crowder and Iguodala you brought up they weren't they weren't with the team uh, when they first matched up. They they both been uh, giving great minutes to the Heat. So I think this is going to six, but I'm taking the Lakers. I respect that pick. I'm, I'm I think the Heat will win a couple games for sure. I'm one of those people on the train of Lakers in five, but I think I've kind of been against the Heat at each stage. So I've been one of their doubters without a doubt. With them. I mean, let's let's look at it this way. If the Heat win, how much hate does LeBron get for this for this loss? Like, it's got to be pretty in- intense. I mean, it'll depend on what his stats look like, but uh, like, let's assume he has a pretty good statistical series and he still loses. I don't know where the uh, the bronze sexuals go to defend him. Like, uh, you know, this is a time where he has, you know, allegedly the better team. Maybe not yeah. as much depth as Miami. Like I said, I think that Boston team is deeper than Miami. But this Lakers team might not be. I think the the pure star power will be what makes a difference in this one. I you know if Jimmy Butler comes and shows up and is scoring twenty five plus a game, he hasn't really done that thus far in the series or in the playoffs. What is he averaging? Just over twenty a game? Yeah, close to twenty one. I they don't That's necessarily good. yeah it's not bad by any means. I just don't think I think they need someone to step up and be that you know the go getter the catalyst. Uh, Goran Dragic. I don't know if he's that guy. They get a different guy every night, though. It's interesting. I mean, I, I totally agree with you, but I think they like it that, you know, you don't know who's going to show up that night. I think Duncan Robinson had a 20-point game against the Celtics there or something. So you just really don't know who's going to score 20 for them any night. And 
and that's tough because you do know for the Lakers who's, who their go-to guys are. But um, I still think the Lakers, they have enough depth. I think if, you know, Morris plays well, if Danny Green can make some shots, Caruso is always a, a good hustle player. I love to bet his over five points, perhaps, um, if they're giving him minutes. Caruso uh, so, yeah, is the I mean, Delhi of the Lakers. You know, he is he is the second coming of Delhi at this point. Um, <laughs> but he's more athletic, dude. I mean, he's a really good athlete. Yeah, he just doesn't trust his shot. Yeah, and I don't trust his shot either. So I'm glad. He doesn't. <laughs> uh, yeah, he doesn't he, trust himself. You mentioned Danny Green. This is just a fun stat I saw on NBA.com. Uh, he's been averaging 4.49 miles per hour, uh, the third fastest rate among those who've played 200 total minutes in the playoffs. So, I mean, I get it. Like, in the half court, you're standing around a little bit, and I think that's what's factored in here to uh, actually show those numbers. And running around. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, five miles an hour, you know, that's not very fast it, over the course of running. Like, you and I both, I think the average person can run, like, 12 to 13 miles an hour or something like that. But, like, 4.5 with all the standing around is not too bad. Uh, so yeah, he's he's up there in terms of speed. Also speaking towards the transition play that the Lakers emphasize. And one thing that the Heat do have to do, I think, a little bit better to stand a chance is shoot the three ball a little bit better. You named a bunch of guys that they can go to. Jay Crowder being one of them. That is, he's not afraid to pull the trigger. He does trust his shot, which is interesting because throughout his career, you know, the last five years, I feel like he's played for five different teams, including the Cavs, including the Celtics at one point too. Um, he, I, the way he catch, he's ready to catch and shoot at almost any moment. They shot the ball at only a 32% clip from beyond the arc uh, in the conference finals, which is the worst mark for a team in a series that has won this playoff. So they they are going to have to step it up a little bit when they're shooting from downtown. I think that falls on Drogic. Uh, you know, a guy like Hero popped off and won him a game, essentially. You bur- buried the Celtics with the way he shot the ball. But between him, Duncan Robinson, and you know those guys that are pure shooters, if you will, they're going to need to uh, bring it every night. I'll say this: I, I in the betting sense, um, if you like the Heat, and maybe rather than betting two plus two seventy five on the Heat to win uh, the series, take Jimmy Butler plus seven hundred to win the Finals MVP. Um, it increases your value a lot, and I mean, if the Heat are going to win, you got to believe Butler is going to be the you know, the, the main centerpiece for most of the series that is that is leading them to that victory. That's a good tip, Frank. I was going to say, we need to give more more insight like that because they're, they're certainly... Yeah, so LeBron's, like minus, LeBron's like minus 150 right now to win the MVP. AD's like plus 200, so that's not a bad bet if you think Anthony Davis will be the difference maker. But um, I, if you like the Heat, though, I would take Jimmy Butler. I think I might do that. And then, I don't know if the Heat win, I like that odds better. I can throw less money on it. All right, I hey, I like where you're. Any other bets we got? Any other bets we got this weekend, James? What what are we liking? Let's, I, let's give the people some ideas. Are you talking about just anything in terms of baseball, NFL? You know what? Thursday night football tomorrow. I love the over. It's two terrible teams: Denver Broncos, New York Football Jets, going at it Thursday night football. Give me the over thirty nine and a half. Who's starting at quarterback for the Broncos? Can you um, name him? I don't even know. I don't even know the guy. No. I don't know the guy. It's their third starting quarterback of the season because Jeff. Yeah, I, I, I forget it. What is his name? I've never heard of him. Like, Brett, you always hear a guy Brett, in college. Yeah, Rippian. Brett, Brett Rippian. Yep. I think I have heard of him. Where did he go to college? Uh, I'll have an answer for you here momentarily. He's a Boise State guy. How about that? No, uh, no, no stranger to playing out west. 
Um, that, I do recognize that name now that you say that. Um, yeah, you're right. 24 so, years old. All right. Oh, he's right around my birthday. He's like two weeks older than me. I don't know what the line is on that game yet, Frank. Do you happen to know? I, I would assume the Jets are even. favored. It's even. even. Wow. I The more I think about it, the more I like teasing the over and I like teasing the Jets. I think Sam Darnold is ready. He's fed up. <laughs> he's got to have a better game eventually, right? You would think. You would think. I mean, they have looked terrible. For um, me, for me, I will be taking the Minnesota <laughs> Vikings against the Houston Texans. Two 0-3 teams. I haven't seen a line come out there because there was reports of the COVID uh, tests with the Titans and um, the Vikings. However, there were zero reported positive cases for Minnesota. So, that, you know, Tennessee had a couple cases, whatever. I, I'm on the Mike Zimmer train that he is a very good coach after a loss, like a very good record. Uh, that was not the evident last week as they fell to the Titans or by the one. Before. Or, yeah, you know, the fact that they have lost three times now, the last two times bouncing back, it hasn't helped them win. But so be it. So I'm taking that's my pick of the weekend. Frank, I think we go right into market talk right now, though, unless you have more. Uh, you know, we did have to sneak a little football in there. I like the fact that we're still getting after it in the betting sense a little bit. But I, I think let's bet on the market a little bit, too. Um, yeah, I, I've been adding money to the market um, as we've had kind of some choppy waters. Uh, we just had the presidential debate. Last night, um, it was uh, it was very interesting, I guess, to say the least. Uh, it didn't seem like much was actually, you know, discussed. It was more so just guys yelling at each other, Trump interrupting. Um, and, it, you know, I, the sentiment is that Biden actually won the debate overall. Um, and the markets didn't react negatively to that. It's It seems like people are right now, the betting odds are that Biden's going to win and the market is not reacting negatively. So, um I don't know. What do you think is going on? I, I'm uh, I'm comfortable holding and buying on any dips. Yeah, I'm at the I'm at the same point because I I think here I'm doing a little portfolio restructuring myself to get a little better base yeah. going forward. I think this is a good time to do it. An election year, you'll see definitely some some industries react a little bit more negatively than others. Uh, but for the most part, what you know the big uh, large cap stocks that I'm invested in, technology based, I don't think they're going to fluctuate really a ton based on who wins this election they might do it on other things with you know that have some dependencies on it whether it's you know a covid vaccine stuff like that all of those things will have an impact but i don't think that necessarily one president or another is going to determine a huge swing one way or another here uh, i've been saying it for a while that the stocks are overheated in general at this point uh you yeah. know, had a fan question come in from luke diggs he's like do, do you see a big drop off after the election you go, you know, it could happen two weeks before, might happen after, depends. I mean, there's so many uh, unknowns still with, with how mail-in voting will work and everything that I'm not necessarily going to be a guy that's going to, oh, they better sell everything, Biden won. Why Why would you do that? Yes, his, his tax policy is going to be a little bit different, but does that fundamentally change what you think that company's worth? There might be some swing in the market, but that's not one that I'm willing to trade on because that, that is... I'd rather gamble on sports where I know the teams and players, whereas, you know, there's these other people in the stock market that, you know, they're going to make their decisions based on their own reasons. Yeah. And it's interesting. I mean, Biden, while he would probably increase corporate taxes, he said he will. Um, he he's also probably going to increase government spending, um, which is another part of GDP. Like that's part of the equation um, is government spending. So. 
um, by increasing that, you know, investing in infrastructure and trying to, you know, combat climate change, he could actually be, you know, as he said last night, actually creating more jobs and helping the economy and offsetting some of those corporate taxes. So I think the market kind of understands that. Um, and I mean, it's it's just I don't know. It's going to be interesting. It's I think it's more so on what happens with coronavirus and if there is another shutdown to you know economic activity going forward. That's kind of the main thing to really watch. I like it. So Frank, I don't think I have a ton else to talk about in the market, but except during the debate, I heard one thing that there's a K-shaped recovery. So I've heard V-shaped. I've heard W-shaped. I like. I'm just trying to envision what the heck is a K-shaped versus a W and I'm not expecting you so, to know. I so, think it's hilarious. I know. No, I know. It's, I mean, if you think about the shape of a K, like a capital K, let's look at a capital K. Yeah. So you're going into it and then it breaks off, you know, the rich people are, Biden's, the rich people are getting richer, whereas the poor people are getting poorer. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's kind of the idea. So like, so like part of the account, like the, the wealthy part of the economy, I guess, or like the wealthy class is doing better. They're recovering, going up. Whereas it shouldn't even be called a K-shaped recovery because it's not. It's a half recovery. I guess, yeah, it's uh, you know, it's just a K-shape. It's just yeah, a K-shaped scenario. Just the economy's in a K, right? Now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I like that. I was curious what that could uh, withhold. But Frank, I, I think at this point, you know, we were trying to make this episode quick. I think we're going to start the two-minute drill right now. This is our two-minute warning, and we are essentially going to wrap things up in the next two minutes. So buy or sell. Uh, South Park is also back tonight. So this episode's coming out before That's Game One of the Finals. But the pandemic special, one hour long, uh, you know, you can have baseball on one TV. You can have South Park on the other TV. Starts at 8 p.m. Eastern. The finals tips off at 9. So if there's one way to get oh yourself my. prepared for NBA finals action, South Park is the way to do it. They are probably going to have a field day of jokes with the way COVID has played out. That's a huge yeah. buy. Huge buy. Yeah, huge buy. Huge, huge buy. Um, what else are we buying? I think like Saturday Night Live being uh, probably not as satirical as the debate itself was last night. That's another thing I'm going to buy. Like they're going to probably make fun of it in some capacity uh, in these upcoming weeks. Uh, they always do uh, you know a decent job in, in terms of at least poking one or two funny points. I think they do make fun of both sides. Obviously, they you know there's a liberal um, bias there to the extent that they definitely make make trump a little bit more of a buffoon than he is in in some regards so i you know hey not a political podcast here i'm just acknowledging i think saturday night live uh presidential debate skits also a huge buy like those are going to be in over these next couple of weeks yeah they're always funny who do we do we know who's playing the characters isn't isn't like jim carrey playing biden didn't he come back to play biden (laughs) he i don't know i haven't haven't watched any of them yet we'll we'll have to see what happens I know. I love when Alec Baldwin comes back to play Trump. He Alec Baldwin's pretty good with it too. Um, and then also by, I think picking out a little bit this weekend. Um, you know, if you've been a little bit, uh, I guess cautious with with your food eating over COVID uh, and quarantine. This, this this is me going out on a limb here because I haven't been. But with all this baseball action, all these sports going on, enjoy a little bit of food. Big buy. Uh, anything at the grocery store. Yeah. I mean, calendar's turning to October tomorrow. Um, get your Halloween candy out. Let's go. It is almost big boy season, so go ahead and it's get almost it. big boy season. It's it's spooky season right now. Get we'll your do, sweater out. We'll do Halloween costumes as a buy or sell uh, in a later episode here, Frank. And I know Ooh. we switched to the bi weekly kind of releases at this point, but we'll get one out there before Halloween without a doubt. I've already got a good all one right. planned myself. All right, two minutes is up. Two minutes is up. Ten seconds. Ten that seconds left. What's, what's what's the song of the week? 
The Great Divide came out by The Shins, an alternative rock song. Of course, there's my bias, but pretty pretty timely given the debate and everything. Uh, the world's in a great divide, but got to find a little bit more likeness between each other.